When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody, we are live for a special DK Pittsburgh Sports Ask Anything post-game edition for the Pittsburgh Steelers loss to the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers, 41-37. to uh, I am Eddie Provident. With me is Zach Smith. Smitty. Yo, what's going on? You are way too fired up for a loss right now. Uh, that's all I'm going to tell you. It's, it's been a long day, man. Uh, I know I listen, that defense isn't the only crap I've had to deal with. (laughs) I've had a plumber at my house for the last six hours today. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been dealing with crap on the Steelers side. I've been dealing with, with it at my house. Um, it's been a rough day, uh, on and off the field. (laughs) If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, um, just to kind of go over what happened, uh, Steelers came back from 17 points in the fourth quarter uh, to tie the game up at 34-34, only to have the defense let up, uh, what, a 51-yard, 52-yard, something like the 50-something-yard touchdown pass. Vintage Mike Williams touchdown. That's pretty much what he does. So, uh, And then the offense uh, just couldn't get it done. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was sacked at a third and 29 uh, after the delay of game, went to third and – uh, what 30 third and 30 a lot and um yeah man it wasn't you know just just wasn't going to get it done uh when you're backed up like that uh it is what it is i i appreciate the effort especially from from the offense today yeah uh the defense was severely understaffed <laughs> uh yeah. no no tj watt uh no minka fitzpatrick no um no uh joe hayden uh, already down Stefan to it already down uh, Tyson Alalu. So you've got five starters in the defensive on the defensive side of the ball out. Uh, I wasn't expecting much from the defensive side of the ball today, but I think even this was bad. Uh, well, before we get into questions, before, like, before we, before I let you go, Zach, ask your questions in the comments section, yep. uh, mm-hmm. wherever you're watching, we're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. Uh, throw your questions in there. Uh, we will get to them as quick as we can. We're going to try to go for about 20 minutes, maybe a half hour here, and uh, try to get some, you know, get some good Steelers talk in. Uh, but Zach, what what's your thoughts on the game? I gave you my quick synopsis of just frustration. Where are you at with yeah. it? 
Yeah, I mean, we came into this game thinking that we knew what the game plan was going to be with them running the football. Um, it turns out Najee Harris gets 12 carries, um, which you do not want to see against a team in the Chargers that is dead last in terms of allowing teams yep. to run the football. Now, game script was not favorable to the Steelers being able to establish the run, and I do understand that. However, you know, even when there were situations for them to run the ball. And I don't know, is this on Ben? Is it like a lot of his decision RPO stuff? Because that's, they've been very vocal about that being more a uh, part of the offense and putting it more in the quarterback's hands. So I don't know, but obviously I, I don't love that. But as a whole, the offense, of course, they play their best football game when the defense is so undermanned that it doesn't matter because they couldn't have stopped right. anybody today. Well, Eddie, what school is it? What high school is it that you uh, – or the film coordinator for West Mifflin. Yeah. They wouldn't have stopped school. West Mifflin's yeah. offense tonight. They might've stopped West Mifflin. <laughs> it's, uh, maybe that's Steel Valley 2016 team that I coached uh, the, the mercy boys, but let's get, uh, let's get into some questions here. I'm just going to start at the top and work our way down. Um, Tyler says you two are hideous. Uh, Tyler just lost his uh, spot as co-host for around the four one two. We're looking for a new co-host now for around the four one two. You can yeah, put your application in. Yeah. With, uh, with Smitty. Um, Anything, any Anthony McFarland, Zach Banner, will they ever play? Uh, great question, Meatwad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I, I think the thing with Zach Banner is right. You're just like waiting for one of the offensive line to have like that poor of a or a tackle specifically to have that poor of a performance where it allows you to make the switch because they don't want to mess with anything other than that. Like no one on the offensive line. Okay, Chooks did have a really nice block getting out mm-hmm. on the Pat Fryermuth touchdown. Yeah, yeah, um, he did. Yep, today. But, like, Zach Banner, they gave him a two-year contract after he tore that ACL, like, thinking, you know, they know that he had to go through the rehab and everything like that. He's back. He should be in the lineup. I mean, yeah, right now he's just collecting a paycheck for for pretty much nothing. Yeah. Um, uh let, let's get to a little bit more like current today stuff. Uh, well, see, I, I do want to say they, they mentioned oh. Anthony McFarlane in that too, though. Okay. So I wanted to just say like the thing with Anthony McFarlane is he doesn't provide anything special teams wise, whereas like Benny Snell does play special teams. Right. Kalen Blodge does play a little special teams. I, I Don't get me wrong. I would rather, much rather see Anthony McFarlane in there because I think you and if me there's both, anybody buddy. on the roster that has a shot to be RB2, like a legit guy that can give Najee Harris some breathers, it is Anthony McFarland. Not that I know that he is that guy or isn't that guy, but I'd like to find out. But he's yep. not even getting a shot. All right, we got Angelo Bello says, what's more infuriating with this team, the injuries on defense or Matthew Canada's play calling? Matthew, I want to spend wow. some time on this one because I have feelings, yeah. but I'll let you go first. Is this uh, – is this – is this Matt Canada's mom behind a burner account? Matthew Canada. Matthew. I, she, yeah, I the, the first name came out, man. Yeah, that's that's full first name. Um, I, so for me, it's just weird because it seems like Canada completely changes his play calling when they get into the red zone. Uh, you know, how, how are you going to ride Najee Harris to the ground, run his tires off, but when you're inside the five-yard line, you don't want to give him the football. Um, it's just Matt Canada, listen, I understand that he doesn't have, like, the perfect offense for what he wants to do with a 39-year-old immobile quarterback. Um but he just seems way over his head in terms of what he's able to steam up against an NFL defense, especially in the red zone. Yeah, I listen. The, I was so excited for the potential that Matt Canada brought to this football team after watching what he did at Pitt, all of the creativity that he had uh, had there. Yeah. You know, as the uh, you know, we thought that we were seeing some Matt Canada football sprinkled in earlier in the season last year, and it turns out that I mean, this is. You know, I think Yinzers are notorious for saying this is just uh, Randy Feekner 2.0. And it really, uh, listen, man, I don't care if you're down 30. 
you don't give Najee Harris the football 12 times before the – I mean, I they were down 17 in the fourth quarter. They weren't down 17 at the end of the half, okay? 12 rushes for Najee Harris. 12 against the worst rush defense in football. What are you doing? I, and, and this is my – at what point in time, Zach, is he held accountable for this? Because this is this is game in and game out now. This is every time the Steelers tie or every time the Steelers lose, they abandon the run game and they get pass happy. We had Mason Rudolph throwing the football 50 times last week, and we had Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball 44 times this week, and I realized that some of that was in, in the third and fourth quarter when they needed to really dig out of a hole, especially the fourth quarter. But 44 times on a dude that didn't even see the practice field, he flew to, San, or to Los Angeles from his home. This is ridiculous, man. This isn't like it's yeah. it's not even funny anymore. It's just ridiculous. Listen, though, I, I feel like he's going to be able to keep falling back, or you know, defenders of him are gonna be able to keep falling back on the personnel when you look at the offensive line and say that he they are the reason that they're not able to tote the rock more and that they're not running it in goal to go situations. Um, I, I really don't know. I don't want to stray too far away from the conversation here, but as I'm saying that, like I'm just thinking about how bad Kendrick Green was again yeah. tonight. Like I just don't know. Maybe the answer is to draft the center and have him play guard, and then you have like a pretty solid. Because I think he could be really good guard. Um, I think that they were you know in over their heads thinking they're gonna just draft a guy that had four starts at center in college and plug and play him. Um, but he is just way in over his head right now as well. Yeah, uh, David uh, Jamison. There's David Jamison. That's the next uh, co-host around the forum. There you go, man. Uh, Why (laughs) is Green snapping the ball like it's coming out of a cannon? That is a great question, David. I would. I think a lot of people would love to know the answer. That I uh, I put Daniel Hayes up here because he said not gonna. He says not gonna have to disagree, and then he elaborates. They had to get rid of the run game because Harris was bound to get hurt. Then he did. He almost had his knee blown out. That was was a. That was a that was a disgusting Look, looking I, tackle. I'm yeah, sorry. I I get it, man. I get it, but that's what's working for your offense right now. That Najee Harris is what is working for this offense. Okay, that is what they're they're able to get these slants and the stuff going down the middle of the field. It's all working because people are worried about Najee Harris getting the football, and when you don't give Najee Harris the football, you end up getting into situations where the defenses could just sit back and and prey on it. They can go after the quarterback or they could just wait for, you know, for these not Ben doesn't have the, you know, I, I don't think he has as weak of an arm as everyone said he has at the beginning of the season, but he definitely doesn't have the arm that he used to have. And people could just sit there and wait on these routes because they know that they're coming. You've got to keep pounding the rock with Najee. I don't care, man. Like I, I that's what he's getting paid for. He's getting paid to run the football. He wants to run the football. Listen to every single, uh, every single time he's in front of a microphone. He wants to run the football. He wants the ball more. He wants the ball in every situation you can give it to him. Give him the football. So as far as like this comment specifically – um, I, so if you're going to argue like game script, I hundred percent get that. Eddie and I were actually talking about that before yeah. we pressed the, the go live thing. And that's what I was saying is they couldn't really establish a run much because of game script kind of making yeah. them go pass heavy. Um, but if like your argument is going to be as far as getting hurt, I mean, look at, look at who they're putting the game in the hands of then a 39 year old quarterback yeah. Yeah. who had a major elbow surgery just over a year ago, uh, and didn't practice at all this week and is dealing with the injuries that he is already. So, I mean, that that can't be the reason.
ball before I have a heart attack. Um, well, okay, yeah, this was probably this is the best. But this why is I, what's going to set me over though for the heart attack. <laughs> um, Rick Swartz says, "Why couldn't the Steelers contain Herbert running when the guys like Jackson uh, so much and seem, or when they see guys like Jackson so much?" And seem to contain him okay. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that they thought they had to worry about it as much. And, and Herbert exploited that. that I, I think I, I think that's where it's at. With it. you got anything more you want to add to that? I or? mean, I mean, we've had this conversation how many times? I feel like you know, as far as like, I feel like this is why Steeler fans don't appreciate Lamar Jackson as much as everybody else because what Lamar Jackson looks like against the Steelers. So I 100 get where this this question is coming from yeah. in terms yeah, of no the way they've been able to contain him. Uh, with a guy like Justin Herbert, I mean, yeah, yes, he can run, but I th- really think that the the emphasis was on keeping everything in front of them, not letting them get behind you. You know, Mike Williams, a ton of explosive plays in the first month of the season last month, really wasn't making those plays like the game ceiling touchdown that he had tonight. Um, but I think that was the point of emphasis. Why they didn't adjust and have a QB spy on him in the second half, I don't know, because this was a game-long thing. It wasn't like just a couple times where he broke contain and was able to get away. This was going on all night where he was getting to the second and third levels of the defense. Yeah, uh, and – Again, problems with the run game, you know, like the like when you when you factor in what Herbert was able to do. And again, that's quarterback scrambling. But then they couldn't contain Eckler either. I know he did a lot out of the out of the pass game, but uh, it, again, it's just more of the same problems: uh, bad tackling, uh, bad gap control, uh, middle linebackers aren't playing great. <laughs> Showbert had that really nice play on that fourth uh, down stop to get the Steelers the ball back where the Steelers briefly did take the lead off the leg of Chris Boswell. Go figure. Once again, he deserves some love. Um, but, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say about this defensive performance because it, it wasn't totally unexpected. I mean, I, I don't want to make excuses for them. Um, but I guess the silver lining of this this whole game for me is just that the offense finally broke 30 points and what we were missing on the defensive side of the football, you get those guys back, you, you might have something there. I hope so, man. Uh, but here's another thing that I wanted to say. You, you mentioned the missed tackles. It's just crazy to me. Like, we knew that there was going to be turnover regression coming from, like, they could never keep up what happened in 19 and 20 on the defensive side of the football turnover-wise. But, like, the the jump that they have this year in terms of missed tackles across the board, literally everybody is missing tackles this year. Edmonds had a 2% missed tackle rate last year. It's up to, like, 11%, yeah. 13%. Like, Cam Hayward's missing tackles. TJ Watt's missing tackles. Everybody. Yeah, uh, and on that, uh, on the Herbert thing, and I think that this plays into the missed tackles as well, uh, Smitty, one thing that the Chargers did on the stretch, they knew our defense would come out energized, so they would run bootlegs and screens. That's from Jeff Kirby. I think that's a great point. I think that the the Chargers really exploited the fact that this was going to be a defense that was over-pursuing things. Uh, normally, when you get a young, in, inexperienced defense, uh, that is one of the tendencies that you – you see is over pursuit. They're trying to make that tackle. They're trying to get there first. Uh, they're trying to get there in swarms. And so those boots, those, uh, you know, the, the little scrambles by the quarterbacks, when there's over pursuit, the screens, we saw a lot of screen game from the chargers today, a couple that worked really well for them. Uh, that's what happens when you over pursue those, you know, those, those guys kind of, they tend to slip away and get into the open field a lot easier, you know? So that, I think that was part of it as well. Um, uh, Timothy Hemis uh, brings up the point. This is this is the one that I've been I've been you know I've been hitting this drum uh, for a few weeks now. The middle linebackers are missing Aluwalu. The middle linebackers are missing Aluwalu and Stefan Tuitt right now, man. That I don't think people really look. This is I, I'm I'm going to preface this. 
This has nothing to do with defending Devin Bush because Devin Bush has been bad, real bad. Mm -hmm. But when you're playing the middle linebacker position, it's a lot easier to play the middle linebacker position when you have a very good defensive line in front of you that eats those blocks that they have. We talked about gap control a couple minutes ago. Gap control is key for the defensive line so that the middle linebackers aren't trying to shed blocks to get the tackles. When the, right. when the defensive line is not playing at its A game, it's almost impossible for the middle linebackers to play their A game. Yeah, if those offensive linemen are climbing to the second level and getting hands on yep. Devin Bush, he's not he's not breaking off. Like no. that's not what he's supposed to be doing either. I, I mean, listen, he was a downhill thumper at Michigan, and we haven't seen him do that since you know that ACL injury, obviously. And is he playing a little bit tentative? And is that you know part of the problem? Is it as much mental as it is physical? It, it very well could be, but uh, yeah, I, I think that Devin Bush's problems aren't just Devin Bush. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, Mosto says D-line is getting gashed every game now. Seattle's where it started. Yeah, uh, that Seattle game was bad. The second half of the Chicago game was bad. Three quarters of the Detroit game was terrible. Uh, We're just seeing it over and over again that the defensive line, excuse me, is just getting gashed left and right, and it's not good. Um, Ed from Ibotter, Hazelwood guy. Uh, Shout out out to my Hazelwood crew. Uh, What do you think of the call not kicking the field goal in the first half, bringing the score uh, Chargers 7 to Steelers 6 would have been uh, an ideal situation? I like going for it. I hate the play call. Yep. That's yeah. where I'm at with it. And I think any time that, that had they gotten it, no one questions it. You know, hindsight yeah. is 2020. Yeah. And that's why I say I like the play. I like the yeah. call. But again, play calling on the offensive side is words that right. I can't well, use on family friend, friendly YouTube channels. Yeah. I mean, not even so much. The fourth down call was not good. I, I mean, no, it was it's terrible. So it, when, you, when you have Najee run out and go line up out wide, and then you have Pat come across the formation. Everybody knows what, what's happening yeah, on that play. I've tried that so many times with Juju, with Pat. He scored a touchdown against Cincinnati doing that exact same play. But what bothers me more is the, the previous play. If your plan is to go for it on fourth anyway, why Thank are you throwing a you. fade Thank to the back of the Thank end zone you. on third down? I mean, And then when they do run it, who do they run it to? Chase Claypool on an end around. I, like, yeah. You have not. I said this uh, last week on my podcast. You have Najee Harris. He's one of the best running backs in football. Statistically, look at it. He's one of the best running backs in football. He's the best rookie back in football. You have Najee Harris, who's six foot two, 240 pounds. He's 5% body fat. He's a freak of nature. When he gets going downhill, he's almost impossible to get to the ground. And you're not giving him the ball inside the five yard line. Make it make sense. Please, somebody make that make sense. Tell me why I don't understand football as well as Matt Canada does. So somebody make that make sense for me. Yeah, they did the one time after uh, Claypool drew a defensive pass interference in the end zone, and they were literally on the goal line. They handed it to Najee Harris, and he just jumped over the formation uh, to score a touchdown. But, yeah, I I mean, again, to answer the question, though, I, I did like going for it. I did, um, too. Especially, I, I know that at the time, you're, you you could be on both sides of this coin, right? Like, oh, take the points with the way that you're, you're going to need every single point with the way that the defense is looking like. At the same time, that's why I'm thinking they should have gone for it. It's because I'm thinking we're going to need all the points that we can get. I agree with you 100%, man. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, Jeremy Scott Morrison says, where are the coaching adjustments? Great question. Still no answer for the overloaded offensive line. 
still running the same jet sweep from last year at the goal line. There's so much tape on this stuff, but no adjustments. Listen, the, 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 the Detroit Lions game last week was a, that was a case study in not making a defensive adjustment from Keith Butler. Everybody saw what was happening in that game, right? Everybody knew they were overloading the side of the offensive line, and then they were running to that side. They were going strong, heavy, six offensive line. You know, They were going with a tight end, extra tackle, and they were running to that side, and they were doing it the whole game. And they, they ran for over 200 yards. And and Keith and- Butler didn't make the adjustment until the fourth quarter. And now we're seeing the same kind of thing from Matt Canada. Okay, this isn't working. Passing the ball 45 times, 50 times a game isn't working. So maybe I should run the ball 30 times a game. Maybe I should keep pounding the rock with my really good running back. Nah, now nah, we're going to keep throwing the ball. We're not going to make the adjustment. Jeremy, that is that is the million-dollar question with this football team. Where are the coaching adjustments? And listen, I am a Mike Tomlin apologist i love mike tallman i think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the nf or uh, coaches in the nf yeah hey you know what maybe there's our future quarterback right (laughs) uh no he's one of the top three quarterback or uh, i did it again now you now you're in my head smitty one of the top three coaches in the nfl one of the best uh i think of this era no doubt but at what point in time does he get some blame for these offensive and defensive coordinators? Because this is this is painful, man. It, like the the peep the guys on the broadcast team are constantly pointing out all of the stuff that's happening, right? right. I go through Twitter, and all of the Twitter experts, mm-hmm. you know, they're all figuring hey, out what's going on. That's how that's how bad it is that the Twitter experts right. actually look like experts. Why can't the offensive and defensive coordinators that are making more than six figures figure it out if we all can see it? I mean, that's always been Tomlin's thing, at least in my opinion, was like we know how great uh, of a leader he is, you know, how how he can control a locker room and and everything like that and how much the players respect him and how he can get them up for any game like for example, tonight they they, they have no business even being in this game, but they are right till the very end. Um, but his shortcomings, I think, have always been in in the the coordinators. You know, he yeah. doesn't have a coaching tree, and especially like on the offensive side for me, because I know that he has a hand in everything defensively. I think with him not being, you know, the greatest offensive mind, that's why it's so important for him to have, you know, a really strong, good offensive coordinator that can call plays. Um, and you know, whether that's Tomlin or more so the organization not investing in that. And that's, you know, a whole separate conversation itself is them always looking for an internal solution. So they don't have to go spend money, real money on an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where the blame falls in that, but to me, that's always been, you know, the biggest thing for me with Tomlin is, is the coordinators on his staff. Are you good at, uh, with, I'm going to ask you a question now. We kind of touched on this a bit. Are you good with, using Ben Roethlisberger the way they did today uh, off of no practice and no really no no preparation whatsoever and again I, I understand that a lot of those passes and passing yards came in the fourth quarter but I still think they overused the passing game in this game today I, I still I still think that there wasn't enough balance, especially with a guy like Ben who was coming off of the week that he came off of. Do you, do you have any – do you agree, disagree, you think I'm making too much out of that? It's, it's tough because especially like for, for one game, 
like specifically for today, I will say no. However, like as far as the lack of balance season long, I have more of an issue with. I think that like, again, I keep saying game script and everything like that, but like the way that this game kind of set up for the Steelers, it, it kind of had to happen this way, in my opinion, for them to be able to get back into the ball game. Um, at the same time, it was kind of not to stray away from your initial question, but if you're going to pass, it's kind of weird how they tried to attack this Chargers secondary because the Chargers secondary, they, they play a lot of too high safety. They want to keep everything mm-hmm. in front of you. They want you to try to test them by taking shots. And, and for whatever reason, the Steelers obliged and tried to take shots down the field, something they really haven't done all year. So I, I, the utilization, I think, was odd, and that's what I'll say about it. As far as Ben passing 45 times, I don't want that to continue. But for today's game specifically, I think it needs to happen for them to have any chance. Stay on the Matt Canada thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, we could have a whole show just talking about yeah, Matt the Matt Canada, Canada show. Uh, do you? Th- I'm assuming he means. Do you think Canada is trying to run plays for a quarterback that is mobile? And why don't they just ask Ben what he is comfortable with doing? I think those questions and those things are happening behind closed doors. Got to remember today's game plan. Uh, ben, I'm sure he was. I know for for a fact from what Mason Rudolph said this week in his uh, his media availability that Ben was uh, having direct conversations with Sullivan, uh, the quarterback's coach, uh, Mike Sullivan, not the Penguins head coach, um, (laughs) the Steelers quarterback coach. I know that they were in constant contact this week. And I know that uh, Ben was, um, you know, kind of in meetings through Zoom here and there, but he wasn't, uh, you know, obviously not at the facility because of the COVID protocol. Uh, I think that this week's game plan was made for Mason Rudolph because that's who they assumed was going to be the starter until you know Ben got his his clearance to play. Um, so I don't think that this week I do you know I, I think that this game plan kind of went out the window a bit and they just kind of did what they had to do. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the rest of the season though, no, I don't think if you're Matt Canada, I don't think that you're going to try to run plays for Ben that would normally work for a, a mobile quarterback. I, I don't think that – I don't even think Matt Canada is that dumb. I hope not. Well, here's the th- here's what upsets me is because all offseason, like training camp, preseason, we heard about how Matt Canada was coming in and all four quarterbacks, Ben, Rudolph, Haskins, and Dobbs, he had a 10-play opening drive for the first half mm-hmm. and second half as well as a game plan put into place for any one of those guys so they could be the most comfortable, almost building an offense around each one of them. So regardless of who had to play, they would feel the most comfortable and have a, a, an ecosystem, if you will, built around That's them. That's a good word. That's a good thing, uh, <laughs> But uh, so for me, I, I, I can't see that being the case. Like Matt Cannon is an offensive coordinator. Your job is to build the offense around the quarterback, not try to fit that quarterback that square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the way it should be. He should be building the offense around what he has at his disposal, not the other way around. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Yaya, how about Ben calls his own plays like Peyton Manning had full control. Drop, of the line? Would love to in the dirt. Would love to see that. I, I mean, at this point in time, what do you have to lose? Uh, hey, listen, backyard Ben. I mean, you go back to last year. That sometimes that's best ben, Baltimore. Man. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, I, we're not going to know for sure that I think a lot of times tonight it, it looked like they were kind of just throwing that out the window and just letting Ben 
do his thing at the line of scrimmage and see what he saw. Yeah. Uh, double HH. Ben couldn't save himself from the interior line being uh, sliced through so easily. Can't scheme that. Uh, yeah, that's... That last drive was yeah. awful. That... Joe Haig got bullied. And, you know, that's a guy I understand he's playing guard and not tackle now. But there were times, you know, where he was playing tackle where it seemed like he was like the saving grace for the run game. Um, you know, you look at like the Packers game and other times where he had to come in throughout the season. He looked like maybe he would be their best tackle option because of what he was doing as a run blocker. But yeah, he got absolutely exposed on that yeah, last drive. Joe, Joe Haig, they moved him yeah, into the Joe, interior. Joe Joe Haig got bullied like Zach Smith as a ten year old in the McDonald's play play zone. <laughs> what a comparison! Yeah, uh, we'll go. Uh, let's do. We got time for maybe like two more questions. Um, also, we'll stick with the uh, offensive line. Go back to the Hazelwood guys. All season, I feel Ben has been pounded. What can be done uh, with the depth that they have at offensive line or lack thereof? I, I don't know, man. I, I, I do know. I'm going to keep repeating myself. What do you think I'm going to say, Smitty? They should give the football to Najee Harris. I, I mean, like, if your quarterback's getting sacked and running around for his life, Maybe give the football to the running back that has a chance to be a, an all uh, a um, Pro Bowl running back this year. I don't know. Maybe I think it might yeah. work. Yeah, I, it it stinks because I think the only shot at protecting him is probably taking playmakers or could be playmakers off the field in order to pr- provide him some extra protection. You know what I mean? Like maybe we're not able to use Najee Harris as catching pass out of the backfield because he has to stay in and pass pro. Or, you know, putting Zach Gentry on the field more just just to pass block. Pat Frymuth having to stay in line to pass block. Maybe um, start so, Zach Banner over a rookie Dan Moore Jr. Um, we'll see. You know, and here's the thing, too. Like, similarly with Banner, I'm um, sorry, with uh, with Dan Moore, as I wanted to say about Bush, actually, for God's sake, so I can say this about both of them. Uh, they're, they're not playing well, but coaches are also not putting them in positions to succeed. Like, so real quick for Devin Bush, like, there's no reason he should be covering Austin Eckler one on one. Like, you're, no. you're putting him in position to lose right then and there. Dan Moore Jr., why is he on an island by himself against the likes of Joey Bosa going back to Miles Garrett? Like, these all world pass rushers as a fourth round rookie. Yeah. Uh, David Bersicki, sorry if I'm missing your name up there, man. Uh, so he can gain three yards talking about Najee Harris. Hey, guess what three times three is? That's nine. That puts you at uh, fourth and one. Or if you go by his average yards per carry this season, 3.7 yards, 3.7 yards three times. Guess what that gets you? A Pittsburgh Steelers first down. Play the audio. Yeah, I wish I had it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But listen, man, I pound the rock with Najee. It's that simple, right? That That's the offensive strategy. That's what it needs to be. Ben throws 25 to 30 times a game. Najee runs the ball 25 to 30 times a game. There's That's, the, that's what's going to get you wins with this football team. This offensive line is much better in run, at run blocking than it is in pass protection. Get the big guys moving downfield. Get Najee Harris moving downfield and, and move the ball make things happen that will open up pockets of the field for Ben to get the ball downfield. I know this is like football one Oh one, but that's what it comes down to. Uh, We'll do one more. And, uh, and I think we'll call it a night and I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a softball here, Smitty. Okay. Tyler Weeks says, go donate to rocking around the four, one, two hashtag for the kids. Listen, I'll, 
I'm going to get on my, I'm going to get on, I'm going to, I'll, I'll give you your, 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 your shine here, but I, I'm going to say this. Uh, and I'm going to get really serious and, and a little tiny bit sentimental as we end this show. Uh, Zach Smith, my co-host for tonight, and Tyler Weeks, his co-host on Around the 412, have been doing Rocking Around the 412, uh, a Christmas charity uh, that they put on themselves. 100% of the proceeds goes towards uh, Christmas gifts and uh, food for families who, uh, who can't afford Christmas. Um, they've already raised on their GoFundMe over $5,500. Uh, last year, what, you guys raised 5000 yeah, uh, fifty three hundred. So yeah, this year so they've already surpassed this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and listen, they could be doing a lot of things with their time. Um, you know, I know that they're just, uh, you know, just amateur podcasters, uh, mm-hmm. but they're doing something good for the community. Um, so if you're listening to this right now, if you listen to this later on Megaphone or on YouTube as a recording, uh, definitely consider uh, throwing a couple bucks. Uh, you can find their the GoFundMe URL on. Um, on the around the 412 Twitter page. Uh, it's the pinned tweet. Um, but they're doing really good stuff, man. And it's, it's a great cause. And, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't say enough about, you know, these two guys and what they're doing for their community. I'll, I'll hand it over to you to kind of fill the gaps, man. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody that's not familiar with around the 412, we did uh, recently this year join the DJ Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, but we've been doing the podcast since 2017. Uh, in 2018, you know, I was just like, man, we have like a decent bit of following here. Let's just see if we can do something with it, you mm-hmm. know, good for Christmas. And uh, so I started the, the GoFundMe that year. And I think we raised about 1500 that first year and we didn't have like any connections yet in the community or anything really like that. What I actually, what we did the first year was actually different than what we've been doing the, the next three. Uh, the first year we found a 24 seven pediatric center in okay. Aliquippa. So these kids require like 24 seven, they require 24 seven care um, because of the condition that they're in. So we bought like a bunch of sensory toys. We had like, they gave us a list and everything like that got a bunch of stuff off Amazon. And even after we bought literally everything that they had on the list, we still had $500 left over. So I just literally wrote them a check for $500 for them to do whatever with the last three years. Now we've literally gone and found families in the 412 and 724 areas to be able to provide Christmas for. And when I say provide Christmas for, I mean, every single penny that is donated goes to Christmas gifts for the kids and also a gift card to whatever their local grocery store might be for them to be able to go and buy groceries to provide that holiday meal. You know, these things are such like for you and I, and for a lot of people listening, there's just such like minuscule things. They're just like commonplace. We're about to celebrate Thanksgiving this week and sit down and have a meal and think nothing of it. That's not that way for everybody. You know, we are all very, very blessed Tyler and I have been very blessed our entire lives and we recognize that it's not that way for everybody. So yeah, with us raising the amount that we have this year, we've been able to raise over $15,000 since starting. It. So, so yeah, since its inception in 2018. Now, one more question for you before we get out of here. Do, have you figured out, have, have like you found the families who were, who are going to benefit from this yet? Or are we still looking for couple. families? There's a couple. So if you guys know families, definitely you can reach out to us at around the 412. You can email us. Listen, I know even if you yourself are a family, I know mm-hmm. that like a lot of people struggle with asking for help, but that's what like, listen, just reach out to me privately. No one has to hear about, like, you know what I mean? Like I don't feel embarrassed about it for one. Yep. Uh, because no one knows I could be in a position someday in the future where I need help. 
Um, yeah. So when I'm in a position to provide that help, I absolutely love to do it. I love that Tyler and I are able to do this every single year. There are a couple families. Um, I don't want to get into their stories or anything like that. I will say that one of them is a family that we've helped every single year. So you guys have already seen, we, we try to put out pictures and videos. So you guys know where the money is going uh, each year of them opening gifts and stuff and like the surprises on their face. But yeah, one family is a, is a repeat family. They've been there every single yeah. year, but if you guys know of a family, you can definitely reach out to us because we're going to be able to provide Christmas for at least five or six families this year. Hopefully awesome. more shout out to uh, Morgan and Sam from Yenzers for, for dyeing their hair. Yeah, uh, for the cause, Eddie. I'm pretty sure is going to do something as well. And hey, I don't know if Chad's still in here, but I think Chad owes us something. Yeah, too. yeah. I I'll put it out there. Um, this is what I'll do because it was complicated the last time I I made this comment. So I'm going to put it out here on the live Q and A so everybody hears it. <laughs> the goal on uh, GoFundMe is seventy five hundred dollars. You're at about fifty six hundred right now, fifty seven, yeah, give or yeah. take. If they hit the seventy five hundred dollar mark, I'm shaving the beard. So $7,500, the beard's gone. Um, so let's get them there. Uh, I, now I think my wife has a rooting interest against, <laughs> against oh. charity. But, but yeah, hey, that's well, the... While we're talking about great things that uh, local people are doing and everything like that, I see you wearing the, uh, the Pittsburgh Clothing Company hat. Yes, I, I'm not, but I got mine sitting right here. So shout out to, to Zach and Tim at Pittsburgh Clothing Company. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, listen, we have definitely gone uh, over our time that we wanted to do, but that's cool. We had a lot of great questions, a lot of good interaction from everybody listening. Uh, you can catch Steelers today. I believe we're going to try to get a Tuesday one out there, uh, get back to doing that. We had some craziness going on uh, these past couple of weeks, so it's been a little uh, sketchy getting those out. But, you know, we're just keep in tune, uh, keep in touch with the with the website, with the Facebook, the Twitter youtube channel we've got all the content coming out uh we really appreciate everybody that watches and listens and uh and and you know supports everything that dk pittsburgh sports is doing um it's a fun place to work it's a fun place to be uh and it's because of all of the listeners viewers subscribers and everybody that makes it a fun time so we appreciate everyone out there uh this has been the dk pittsburgh sports question and answer uh live ask anything uh we will catch you guys next time uh take care and that's it